Welcome to Wacker Slaps Presents Twin Cinema, where we look back into the archives of 2000s indie music films to determine if a movie or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is a direct spinoff of another podcast that is a direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. Per usual, I am joined by the Tegan to my Sarah. <laughs> nice. Yes, I am Adrian, and uh, I'm in the pictures, baby. Ooh. And uh, I am your co-host, Noah. And uh, I like coffee, too, okay? Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Black gold, baby. What episode is this? Episode 30. <laughs> But there's a twist because yeah. it's a spinoff episode and this series is called Twin Cinema and uh, there's something missing on this episode, hmm. a voice that we didn't hear at the beginning that usually fucks up the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Little brother Caleb is not on this podcast. He had a child, so he'll be back and I think we'll hear from him later on in this episode. But uh, Adrian, so it's just going to be me and you, man. Do you think we could do it? It was Caleb the glue that held this shit together. I think I think Caleb, uh, honestly, he brought us down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, um, of course, Caleb is the heart and soul of the podcast. But I think we can carry on, soldier on. It's an interesting experiment here that, you know, we're talking about different things. We're going to do some movies. You know, as we teased last week, we're going to do, or on the last episode, we're going to do some, uh, maybe some, some other things. So I'm, I'm excited on this, uh, you know, while Caleb's away, uh, <clears throat> being, you know, doing daddy time, daddy. <laughs> we can, uh, you know, we can uh, get weird with it. We can, you know, let our, uh, get a little freaky, a little freaky yeah. deaky. Yeah. It should be fun. So episode 30, what can we do for 30 I was trying to think, what's a movie, like a director that has 30 films? Man. Like Martin Scorsese. What was his 30th film? It's probably hard to look up because he had so many like documentaries and shit. It's probably like, what's that, uh, the animated one? Oh, uh, Hugo? Hugo, yeah. No, that's not animated, is it? I don't, I don't even There's remember. Some stuff. There's a bunch of shit going on in that movie. I'm going to say, yeah, it's got to be from like the 2000, uh, probably like Silence or something. And, uh, uh, but of course, Martin Scorsese directed one of the great concert films of all time, The Last Waltz, about uh, the band, or as I like one to call it, Cocaine the Musical. <laughs> Well, when you're literally rotoscoping out cocaine blocks from people's nosies, that's uh, yeah, you know that they're that it's a party. Uh, that's one of my new Thanksgiving traditions is uh, is popping in and throwing that on every uh, every Thanksgiving waltz. morning. Last wasn't waltz, it? Yeah. Didn't it? Uh, yeah, take place over Thanksgiving weekend or something back in the day. 
Yeah, Thanksgiving Day, and the band fed everyone. So everyone had a full Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings, you know, turkey Ooh, and what was gravy. The that? Wine. <laughs> Winterland. Fucking like, but uh, I ate a drumstick and snorted some blow with Neil Young. <laughs> oh, Joni, get out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and then uh, and then they uh, they rocked it out for like three hours. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I really identify with a lot of the, uh, the costuming going on. I really like, uh, well, Dr. John obviously come in is just a gigantic fat guy. Always great. Such is, uh, his hat. But then Van hat. Morrison, Van Morrison coming in with his fucking sparkly suit, uh, jumpsuit, rocking out one song, dropping the, literally dropping the mic and walking off like a fucking <laughs> insane <laughs> badass. Uh, you know, and I identify it's with crazy. Van Morrison's politics very heavily these days. Dude, you you see Van Morrison in that in that thing, right? And he's probably like what twenty nine or something like that. <laughs> yeah, already he, balding, and he looks like he's about to die. But then you see him <laughs> now, and it's like, wait, he's just looked like that for like forty fifty years. years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're that deep into the pints, yeah, it ages you. Uh, and then they were just smoking, I'm sure like 18 packs of cigarettes a day. So yeah, the cigarette budget on that movie, you couldn't get that made today. Cigarettes <laughs> alone would put you in the red. Uh, uh maybe Netflix now. Yeah. Uh, well anyway, 30th episode, 30th Scorsese movie. Who knows? I tried to I, figure it out. I tried to look it up. It's too, it's too mixed up between the the features and the docs, but it looks like it would be something like uh, silence. Yeah, it would be around there. It'd be around Shutter Island, Hugo, Wolf of oh, Wall Street, okay. somewhere around there. Sweet. His, but his uh, his Scorsese definitely, <laughs> definitely no stranger to the rock doc. Yeah. Adrian, that's a good segue. What are we doing today on the podcast? Wacker Slaps presents Twin Cinema episode 30. Without Caleb this time to fuck everything up. <laughs> I mean, we'll do plenty to fuck it up ourselves, but yeah. So today we're talking about a film, a movie film, uh, Shut Up and Play the Hits, which is about the, the band Dixie LCD. Chicks. <laughs> no, not the, not them, not the chicks. Uh, it's about LCD sound system. Perhaps one of the you know, preeminent indie bands of the early aughts, you know, up, yeah. it's definitely, they're definitely up there. But I think in firmly in the aughts, right? Like they're not, I don't know. Is, is, are people just now getting into LCD sound system? I think they have their fans from 10 years ago and that's all the fans they'll ever need or gain. You know what I'm saying? But I think they like stay in that era. I don't know if there's like, young kids getting into lcd sound system now yeah it's that's one of the questions i had coming out of this is are they do they matter anymore does does lcd matter in 2022 and yeah i don't know i mean they came out that album a few years ago but i don't know did it make a splash of any kind I was thinking about that because, you know, this is right now we're 20 years out from me being a freshman in high school, you know, and we, we went to high school together. You were a few years ahead of me and Caleb, but you know, this, this was, 
I was prime age, 15 years old, 16 years old, you know, 17 years old. We're the prime age to listen to this stuff. And I'm wondering the same thing. Like, do, do, do teenagers care about this shit? Do they care about, you know, indie yeah. rock from the 2000s? Is it because, you know, when we were back in high school, we were listening to stuff from 20 years prior, you know, which would have been what, you know, in 2002 would have been. 82, which is frightening to think about. But um, so, you know, we were listening to the Smiths. We were listening to fucking Joy Division. You know, we were listening to all that stuff. It's not that far fetched, yeah. but but specifically do LCD sound system and these records and them as a band, do, like, do they matter? And I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think they do. I don't think they register in today's contextless yeah. kind of void, of, you know, giant gaping void of music that and content out there. I think it's tricky too, because even 10 years ago, they were, they were kind of personifying the like aged hipster and how yeah. self-commentary. And so it was kind of, even then it was like, Oh, we're self-aware, but now it's just kind of like, Oh, that's tired. That whole old man, hipster thing, Gen X thing. We, we don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, uh, there's that, you know, that, uh, bit on i think you should leave right with the the old hipster just confusing and angering everyone with, with <laughs> yeah. obscure references and it's like <laughs> this is kind of you know this band is kind of like a version of that sketch is like yeah and 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 self-aware about it too you know james murphy is very clear that yeah th these are the things he's thinking about and talking about because this is his life and his experiences and and it's like do, do people give a shit about that anymore you know do people give a shit about you know, middle-aged white men, hipster, you know, you know, losing their edge or whatever, you know, do the, does it fucking matter? It's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Now know. like a middle-aged guy, even though somebody my age, if they tell you, you know what, I'm finally going to start that indie band <laughs> and get it off. To, people would roll their eyes till they <laughs> fell out of their heads. I mean, now you I just mean, start a podcast talking about <laughs> that's the new right that's the new, <laughs> the new you know, are we relevant adrian <laughs> we're relevant to our dozens of fans out there you know yeah. uh yeah. shout out to our international fans yeah. um but yeah i i don't know to get back to the the film yeah let's get um, some history going or something Phyllis yeah in this guy and this band and the scene so I'll start this off how we usually do with a little bit of, uh, from a reviewer. <clears throat> Since Pitchfork doesn't necessarily review films all the time, it was kind of hard to find something about this movie that wasn't like a news bit or uh, an embed of a, a clip or something. Um, so I kind of went a little broader with that. I have a couple of you know numbers here and ratings. Uh, the tomato meter for this movie is at eighty six percent, and I know the tomato meter is generally pretty garbage, but it is a decent indicator of how people felt about it. And I think that actually the user score was higher than eighty six. And then Metacritic, which I think is a little bit more accurate in terms of aggregation of scores, is at seventy two, which not bad, but not great either. Um, I pulled a review from Variety. I thought that was appropriate for our inaugural film uh, episode hey, I'm a, here. I'm a subscriber. <laughs> yeah, you're in. The, you're a supporter of Variety. Yeah, um, Kiki got it for my birthday not too long ago, like a subscription to Variety, and it was cool. 
but now there's like so little going on i mean there's a lot going on in the hollywood thing with the covid but it's like also kind of just boring like business shit there's no like oh no boffo box office no yeah it's kind of it's kind of sad to read it now damn well every industry is dying but anyways i pulled a uh, review by rob nelson the score on metacritic was an 80 i couldn't find any basis for that in the actual article it might be outdated or something i don't know um and they they dropped the the rating or whatever but i actually pulled the entire review because it's a couple of paragraphs but it you know it's an it's an interesting take so uh it's very clearly from a you know kind of a middle-aged gen xer point of view but uh here we go as the last waltz was for the band and aging hippies actually you know what this is from a boomer's point of view, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. Always important to get the boomer perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, here we go. As the last waltz was for the band and aging hippies, Shut Up and Play the Hits is for Indie Dance Rock's LCD sound system and the kids who were in high school on 9-11. 11 songs from the group's epic farewell gig at Madison Square Garden last spring make it into the mix, although co-directors Dylan Southern and Will Lovelace are less interested in concert docu-stylistics than in pondering the meaning of frontman James Murphy's decision to pull the plug on LCD and stage the band's funeral. A shrewd distrib could market the pick as generational eulogy rather than fans-only souvenir. You know, there's that classic variety speak. Much like the band's self-conscious synth-pop itself, Shut Up is initially satiric but ultimately disarming in its emotional resonance. Overlong scenes of laid-back Murphy shaving and walking his French bulldog gradually lead with the help of audio track questions from writer Chuck Klosterman to the 41-year-old rock star's meditations on his parting gesture as a communal exercise in coping with mortality. Appropriately, the audience factors significantly in concert scenes, wherein songs such as Losing My Edge and All My Friends strike both euphoric and elegiac chords. Sound is pleasingly piercing. Which, you know, I think that's a decent summation. Definitely from an old, older rock dude's point of view, but he's not wrong. Those overlong scenes of just James Murphy doing jack shit are kind of boring. <laughs> and there's yeah, way that shaving scene was was grotesque. <laughs> I there's like a full what three minutes of him just shaving and like not like the man like, has you like know. a five his five o'clock shadow has a five o'clock shadow. It's it's, lit- it's like that. It's like this the Homer Simpson bit where he shaves and immediately comes back. It's like watching that in yeah. real time. Um, it's like Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what it reminded yeah. me of? Speaking of Scorsese again, did you ever see that uh, short film he made? It was like his college like thesis film. Called, oh, uh, A Big Shave? Clean, the Big Shave? The Big Shave, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the dude shaving that suddenly like scrapes down to like his jawbone and shit. I was like, <laughs> dude, I feel like I'm watching that. Man, the man is weird because he doesn't have a beard, but he has so much stubble. <laughs> it's it's a stubble beard. It's like <laughs> layers of stubble somehow. Like oh, fucking man. you know, like clay or something. Um wild. but anyhow, getting back on track here. We uh, that's one thing Caleb does uh, help sometimes is keeping us on track, but whatever mm-hmm. we can keep it loose here on Wacker Slaps Presents. Um, but Wait, let's get cinema. back to the <laughs> let's get back to the film background. Uh, 
so it was recorded from basically from April 1st through April 2nd, 2011 in New York City, which is like the 48 hours of the day of the show of the last show and then the like the following morning and afternoon. As we mentioned, it was directed by Dylan Southern and Will Lovelace. Uh, and little known fact, Spike Jones provided some additional camera work. Uh, I think yeah. Spike's probably buddies with uh, James Murphy. I think yeah, they worked Spike together before. Was like, I'm not missing the show. Dude. <laughs> I'll do camera. I'll do sound. I'll do whatever you need, James. I'm not missing this. <laughs> um, it was produced by Pulse Films and distributed by Oscilloscope. Um, which I think Oscilloscope puts out a lot of a lot of rock doc type stuff and Pulse too as well. Oscilloscope, um, yeah, they're a very interesting film distrib- distributor. Yeah, yeah, they 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 put out a lot of good stuff actually. I'd say and and Pulse too. Pulse puts a lot a lot of music stuff um, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. But uh, the film was released at the Sundance Film Festival on January twenty second, twenty twelve, and it actually only aired. Uh, it was only in the USA for one day at one theater, and I don't have the exact date, but that was it. And then it was, of course, later released on DVD and streaming services and uh, and and whatnot. <clears throat> but uh, previously to this, James Murphy had said that the third LCD sound system record, This Is Happening, would probably be their last. So he had kind of already called a been, shot. Yeah, he called the shot. And then the band, you know, officially announced their last show on their website on February 8th, 2011. And it was kind of an immediate shit show in terms of like ticketing. I remember this happening. I mean, I wasn't going to buy tickets, obviously, because it was in New York City. And at the time I was completely broke. There's no way I could have seen this. But like, um, I, need I remember a cool man. You're at the airport. They're <laughs> yeah, like, wait, exactly. what? It's like, I need it. A- plane ticket to the new york city and then i need a ticket to <laughs> the lcd sound system last show it's like what are you talking about the, the, the big apple i need to go but uh, i remember this happening i don't know if you recall this at all but it, it was a whole big thing where the pre-sale was you know bought up by a bunch of bots and the, it like sold out within 15 seconds or something insane like that. Not probably, that's probably an exaggeration, but it was like the Garth um, Brooks of its day. <laughs> it was extreme. It was, it was, uh, you know, I mean, obviously at the time there were a big indie brand, probably, you know, one of the, the top biggest, right? It, uh, yeah. I would say the biggest up there, you know, was you could argue that the two biggest indie bands of the time are in this film. Yeah, exactly. That's a and that's a great point. We'll we'll touch on them too, and then we'll. I think there's some interesting postmarks to that as well, or postscripts to that. But yeah, so so that was a whole shit show. So what ended up happening is they uh, they ended up announcing like four other shows that were going to take place the the week the week of the show, the week prior to the the final show. Um, and of course, the film documents this last show, the last forty eight hours of the band supposedly you know we know in hindsight that that's not true but this was the big to do you know last concert uh, at madison square garden sold out you know it's uh, you know everyone all of their pals are there all of their you know all of the their extended networks there it's it's you know this big bloated thing it's four hours long it's you know uh, with with intermissions and, and stuff and it's just this whole big event 
and uh, and I remember it was streamed live on Pitchfork TV. I watched a little bit of it after I got home from work. But it was yeah, it was a huge it was a huge deal in in indie rockdom uh, at this time. As you mentioned, the another huge band joins them, or at least some members of the of the that band, which is the Arcade Fire. Uh, for they joined for one song, North American Scum, and then LCD is also joined by Reggie Watts for one song, which kind of makes sense for the time it seems like ready watch dates was, the film right it super dates <laughs> the film um but he was certainly at this time 2011 was in, uh, pretty much everywhere he was uh, yeah. you know i have uh, in my notes what is reggie watts deal like he was like, a, <laughs> he was like the whatever the uh police academy guy of the 2000s <laughs> oh yeah what uh, michael, michael winslow, winslow of his day <laughs> Is that what he yeah. is? He's like a sound effect guy, or sings? yeah, he's like the indie rocking kind of comedian, but also yeah, he sings and he does these things with the looping, and you know, I think at the time, especially, it was a, a super novelty to see that kind of stuff going on. I never or, you knew know, he's building songs it... from nothing. I never knew was it supposed to be funny or like musically <laughs> impressive. I, I never knew. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he looks he like has a nice, a, cool guy. But right, exactly. He seems like a nice, cool guy. He does. He, he, you know, he works with a lot of people that I like. You know, um, shout out to Comedy Bang Bang and the 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 CBB net, uh, Comedy Network. But I, I don't know. I he he was ubiquitous for a very short time, and then he was gone. And like you're saying, he seemed like a nice guy. Were the songs good? I don't know. It was funny. I laughed at the time. Would I remember any of them? No. Yeah. He had like a hit with like a music video, didn't he? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's some kind of. When like I saw small. him to on the when I watched the movie this morning, I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> it's like him and like Judah Freelander yeah, I mean, or whatever. They're like, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that was a thing. Well, he he makes the most of his appearance. I'll say that. But uh, yeah. there's also a few other comedians can be seen in the movie. Aziz Ansari, you can see him dancing around, and Donald Glover. He, yeah. I think Donald Glover yells directly into the camera. If I'm not mistaken, a young, childish, very childish, <laughs> very Gambino, infantish Gambino. That was in um, his like short sleeve shirt and tie days i feel like he was always rocking that back in the day oh yeah that was what uh what was his comedy thing? Derek comedy was that his thing back yeah. in the day anyways yeah so yeah very very young uh and and also very popular i think at starting to get very popular at the time is aziz and donald clover but the film was released to positive reviews uh, with critics praising you know the the concert footage and the direction and later, a, a nearly complete recording of the concert was released uh, on April nineteenth, twenty fourteen, uh, as the long goodbye LCD sound system live at Madison Square Garden. Uh, which, if you want to see a really great movie, watch the long goodbye, starring <laughs> uh, <laughs> Elliot Gould, Charlie Hayden. I wish it was just like the long goodbye LCD sound system live at Madison Square Garden. Like, just give me the the hits shut up and play the hits you know just give me the the concert like the other stuff was like meaningless i agree but should we so should we get into it yeah. then it sounds like you're chomping at the bit a little bit 
Um, yeah. So what are we doing next? It would be like uh, personal history. Yeah, we can jump into personal histories, but before we get into our personal histories, should we uh, should we get into Caleb's voicemail? Wait, I thought Caleb was out of the podcast. You telling me he's back? He's back in, baby. Uh, right. He sent in his thoughts on. Uh, I'm sure they'll be earnest, <laughs> well thought out, <laughs> from the heart. And completely on topic. Uh, so here we go. Here is a little bit from our fearless leader, Caleb. The father. Hey, what's up? This is uh, your host, Caleb, calling in from uh, dad world here. I am uh, neglecting my fatherly duties to you know pitch into my first job, which is uh, podcasting with my older brother and lifelong friend, best friend. Um, you know, priorities, baby, priorities, baby. So I believe I'm calling in about the works of James Murphy. And you know, what can I say? You know, what can I say? He's a pivotal figure in American death metal and thrash, you know, like did really great guitar work on that second obituary album, Cause of Death in terms of sophomore albums. That album has got to be one of them. Great album cover too. And also he did his own thing with uh, Disincarnate. It's a really underrated uh, death metal band from the early 90s. Drugs of a Caring Kind, just steely labyrinthian death metal, just like really kind of innovative stuff in terms of kind of taking progressive um, song structures and applying it to just kind of brutal driving dark death metal. Um, really, really underrated stuff. The Testament albums that he's on aren't the best Testament. You know, they're kind of when they moved into that kind of groovy oriented alt kind of metal new metal kind of shit which you know a lot of bands did they were just trying to trying to you know you know make it um so yeah i mean james murphy's great did a lot of great production work you know but he's kind of just like a hired gun you know um cancer they're a little overrated but um yeah you know good, good all-around uh figure in the in the death metal scene what's that Oh, that James Murphy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, LCD sound system. Um, don't really know them too well. I didn't really uh, calculate them as an actual band, to be completely honest. I just thought that James Murphy was just kind of a, I don't know, troubadour or like a the DJ laureate of, you know, MC laureate or whatever of New York City of that time. And, you know, just was a good uh, cultural aggregator. But, you know, that guy's deep. I, I give him that. You know, that guy really knows his shit. He really does the kind of um, anthropological side of, you know, music pretty excellently. Um, yeah, for that kind of stuff. The documentary, couldn't be bothered to watch it. Uh, these days, I'm lucky to get like half a Seinfeld episode in. And even then, that's in the background while I'm uh, changing shitty diapers. But, hey, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It's a... Uh, Sons, the love of my life. Um, yeah, so the, um, I can't speculate, though, on what this doc's about. There's a lot of, like, kind of uh, important uh, journalists, you know, talking about just the importance of James Murphy. You know, kind of a lot of, like, Gen X, like, really dogmatic hot takes. Which has me thinking, you know, for uh, a generation of people who are all about irreverence and... Um, 
fucking norms and kind of the postmodern thing. They have really become dogmatic in their thinking and how they ordain people the greatest or the most important. Like you get on the long side of a conversation with like your Gen X, dudes from like the Ringer, Chuck Klosterman, any of those guys. It's just fucking boring and exhausting. And uh, But I hope that wasn't the case with this documentary. I'll get around to watching it one day. But, um, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I got to say about LC Down Sound Systems. Um, the Sound of Silence, that's a jam. I like the, the My House songs, funky little bass lines. That'll get you going, you know. I think I jammed that out in my college years. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm just really not super familiar. But, hey, good on them for getting a documentary made about it. Good on you guys for pivoting to a new format while I'm uh, on my sabbatical. It was good talking to you guys, however briefly. Um, congratulations to Noah becoming an uncle. Congratulations to Adrian becoming an uncle. Um, yeah, this is Papa Caleb out. Take care. The Papa throwing heat. <laughs> I like that he called out the Klosterman. I, he, we must not have had any idea that he was in this. Unless did you talk to him about I it? I think I told him that it's like a Gen X stroke fest. <laughs> it really. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really, really is. But uh, Clusterman, where do you stand on old Clusterfuck? You know, I read a, f- a few of his things. I don't think I ever read a Fargo, one of his Rock City. Yeah, I, I read parts of all of his, like of you know, all the ones that people know, the ones that you see on people's shelves or whatever. Um, but I never bought one, and I never really was. I don't know. It was all right. I, I don't. I doubt it holds up, but uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, he's a whatever. He's harmless. But Caleb, like he's <laughs> saying, I think Murphy has that streak in him too, where it's like, it's weird because they're trying to be kind of, they know about irony and persona and deflating what you're supposed to be and what a rock star is, but it's all very serious. Like, it's like, I, I studied David Bowie to see how he did it. And right. it's like, I don't know. David Bowie is probably just having fun. Like cooked up and doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Like you don't gotta write a, I don't know, you don't gotta pound it into the ground or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough because I, I get where he's coming from in terms of critical eye and analysis. And obviously James Murphy is kind of musician and artist who comes at it from sort of a critic's point of view, you know. Like a, but yeah, it's just curator of things, right? But like you're saying it, it becomes very self-serious and very like i don't know it, it does almost become like a parody of like pretentious you know rock dudes talking about this stuff like the, it, i don't know maybe it's also Klosterman's framing and the way he he talks about stuff or it's like you know uh, uh i think that a band is defined by you know their biggest successes and and you know their one big failure it's like i don't, I don't know if that's, that's necessarily true at all but yeah, yeah, is I, that true? Like, I don't know. That? He's like, it's like Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. That yeah. was the Rolling Stones, her majesty's satanic service. You know, that's how I I throw in a sports metaphor and I uh, say something crazy about a rock band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He's all right. He's just uh, one of our, I don't know, bloviators, laureates or whatever <laughs> bloviator that's good that's a good word for it for sure but yeah what they could have uh, got rid of all that in this movie all of the clostermen all the whole that whole interview 
was just like I don't know. It was weird. It was like, what? This isn't. I didn't think the the whole else. Yeah, they sold out Madison Square Garden. This big deal, but it's not like I don't know. I don't think it's like James Murphy, voice of a generation. Like they're like a dance punk band. Well, that's okay. That's an interesting question because we're looking at it through 2022's eyes, right? In 2011, would it have made a lot more sense, especially? in terms of the context of this being their last their you know their requiem to the band or whatever like does it make more sense then does it lose impact because we now know okay these guys are already they went on a bunch of tours they're they're they want to you know they they put out another record i think that that that's part of it but i also agree i think that it was kind of elevating this to a really super high level in terms of like the importance of this art and whatever but yeah realistically it's just a cool band you know having a good time and saying goodbye to their fans it doesn't really need to be more than that and i think you're right i think you know could this documentary have been just the concert you know maybe flying the wall type stuff around it and and you know maybe a couple of things of james murphy you know after the day after or the morning of or whatever like yeah i think that would have been a solid successful documentary in its own right but this one you know they they felt that that context was important you know that self you know that 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 kind of self-mythologizing uh that goes on yeah yeah in the (laughs) in uh in a lot of these kinds of like you know lofty interview you know whatever yeah um but why don't we just get just like yeah go ahead go ahead no i guess i feel like it's it's like forced like they're playing a role like Mm. like klosterman like they're pretending it's still like the 70s and like james murphy is as uh like a cultural force as someone like David Bowie and Klosterman is like on the forefront of, he's like a Lester bangs. And it's like, no, it's not. You guys are like cosplaying. This has all been said and done before. And you guys both know it. So like drop the act. Right. 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 I mean, that's the whole, that's for both of them. I think that's kind of their whole thing is like, they wanted to live up to being Lester bangs or whatever. And, or, you know, uh, yeah. Right. Um, uh, whatever i mean i guess but anyways why don't do we just talk get into whatever music but why, well why don't we just get into like your yeah your personal history with uh with this thing yeah so i saw this i think it they played it on maybe it was like pitchfork tv or something saw it online um and i i found it interesting but i always i did i did kind of remember it as more of a concert film like um but i think that's kind of how it was pitched right yeah yeah and i've never been a huge lcd sound system guy like it just never really spoke to me all that much i think my brother my older brother zachary showed me probably their i think probably their first album was probably that daft punk song the daft punk is playing at my house and if anything James Murphy's legacy is kind of that song when he's like naming all those, all the, like the hip cool musicians, you know, like great influential musicians. So if his legacy did anything, it was to turn like 19 and 20 year olds on to some of that music 
by way of name checking all those artists. So I kind of like found that kind of cool, but yeah, I don't know what it was about LCD sound system. I think Murphy perplexed me a little bit where it was like, wait, why is this guy old? And like, why is the band blowing up now? <laughs> I was like, it confused me. <laughs> yeah, I almost thought they were like a band that I missed, like that was like around in like the 90s or something, and then like had a comeback in the 2000s. It almost seemed uh-huh. like that. It was like, it's like, what is this band? But I don't know. I guess I never, I think the album that I liked the most was probably the, what is it called? Something's Happening or it's all this happening. is happening this is happening it's yeah. probably the one i listen to the most but uh yeah i kind of outside of that daft punk song i never really like loved an lcd sound system song maybe like all my friends i guess but uh, i think yeah. for like i think for a short period it was mandatory that that was like everyone's favorite song it's just <laughs> yeah hit at the right moment in the right time in our lives i think that just like oh yeah, yeah. that fucking shit's about me <clears throat> yeah if there's, if there's ever like a movie or tv show that takes place in like 2010 or whatever that's like a, <laughs> such a marker you could just play that on the soundtrack and people know De- yeah totally but uh what did you you were more of a fan of these guys than i ever was that's certainly true i yeah so Prior to this time, uh, 2011, the end of the end of this band, I was very into them. I think I first, I mean, obviously the first things I heard was just like everyone else was, you know, Daft Punk is playing at our house or, and um, the, what was the other big single? I can't remember now, but yeah. Uh, and then there was another one. Uh, but anyways, uh, I had been a big fan and then it kind of grew as the, Losing you know, My put, Edge was the other Losing one. My Edge, yes. Thank you. Um, That's the song where he name checks all the bands. Yes. Yeah. The List song. The List song, um, yeah. Yeah, so like I, I, you know, I became aware of them through that and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of self, you know, self-referential and self, you know, self-conscious and, and funny and I like that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was interested in, you know, I think I really started listening when their second record hit, which is what bef- not it's not this is happening, it's one right before Sound that, of Silver. Sound of Silver. Yes, that became a really big record for me. I think for uh, probably a lot of people our age, but the, yeah, my f- I, I think the fandom was pretty strong throughout that time through the third record. And honestly, I think by the time the documentary, this, you know, and their last shows came about, it was kind of waning. I think, I think I was sort of like, all right, I'm, I've played this stuff quite a bit. I've listened to it quite a bit. Everyone I know really loves this stuff and listened to it a lot. And I don't know, I was starting to kind of, um, the, the arc was on the downward trajectory for me in terms of fandom with them. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember wa- watching clips and, you know, as I mentioned in, uh, watching Pitchfork TV's coverage of the concert, I don't know if they aired the documentary. I know they definitely showed the concert, but they may have showed clips from the doc later or maybe streamed it in full as well. So I never actually saw the movie when it came out, whatever, in 2012. And I didn't actually have any real connection to the movie until a few years later 
um, one of the first times I was going to hang out with uh, the girls dating at the time, uh, she invited me over to watch this movie, but we never actually got around to watching the movie. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, it was on the shelf for, you know, our entire relationship. And it was one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, we could, we could watch that. But I don't know. Your whole it life never... could have been different had you watched that <laughs> together. I know it could have changed the whole you... trajectory. You could be the one on paternity leave right now. <laughs> right. But uh, so I, and I remember just looking at the cover and seeing, you know, what I was being like, oh, it's kind of cool. And I like them. And, but again, it, it was just kind of faded away again until, until this, you know, kind of brought it back to my attention. But yeah, you know, like I, I, I think for me, a lot of uh, this band is just, being connected to being young and listening to them and i think once i aged past a certain you know threshold it just it, it lost some of its power and it lost some of its um it lost some of its edge uh in terms of the impact it had on my you know on my listening and maybe also i started you know del- delving deeper into the stuff that influenced murphy himself you know i started listening more into ESG and liquid liquid and you know pill and whatever and I was like oh this stuff is awesome and I don't really need like it, it's it's better than LCD like I love LCD yeah. but this is like this is the real deal original it's almost like know. Murphy did his job he was like right <laughs> yeah the, the gateway what did, yeah what did Caleb say the DJ laureate of New York in the 2000s yes exactly and that, I mean, that's a great way to do it. I mean, and I'm sure he would probably himself say something similar, you know, that his yeah. goal was to, to get people interested in this stuff and to get people into, you know, although he tells the story of like writing, losing my edge and how, you know, he, he felt he was, he, he had a unique thing because he was into all these bands. And then once it started, you know, to leak into the actual culture around him, then he was like, oh, it's this thing that was mine because it was obscure and it was like you know for record heads and people that were like in the know now is becoming popular like the what what do i have now to for my identity you know and i think that's something that a lot of people especially a lot of music obsessives you know can identify with in terms of just like what happens once you grow up and realize like oh like there's more to there's more to life than just liking things and buying records and watching movies like that's a great part of life and should be always be a part of your life but it's not the main thrust of it anymore you know because you're not 22 years old or whatever or you're not 18 and going into college or you know but i don't know it's interesting to return to them at an older age and to think about these things and to see how you know uh see their their influence and what what's happened and, and their lack of influence now, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of my background with the, with the movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we, I feel like we sprinkle in a lot of our current thoughts throughout there, but uh, did you have anything else? Did you wanted to touch on in terms no, of that? I or? Just, the only thing I would go back to is just like, I wanted more of just a straight up concert film. Just give me the music. I don't need to yeah. see murphy at home with his dog and that shot of him his in nice the urban beginning in brooklyn or whatever 
that shot of him in the ver- very early on where he like puts on his pajama pants it, like i literally like recoiled in disgust of like seeing a 40 so, year old setup, white right? man yeah right the camera crews in your wood the camera crew spent the night and watched you sleep <laughs> right right it's like yeah i don't need to see your fucking white pale legs and your you know like i get what you're they're trying to He's do in bed in bed with like a tuxedo shirt and cuff <laughs> yeah right right exactly and like part of it is so actually okay that brings up a point that i wanted to talk about which is something that all documentaries rock documentaries particularly and or music documentaries do is it's it's both you know building a mythology and demythologizing it it builds the mythology because there's a narrative and it's a story because it's a movie and you know there's even though it's real life you know editing and whatever all of the choices made by the director by the the people the subjects whatever play into that but also it's it's about you know because the reason that they make these movies is besides showcasing the band's music is to kind of give you a personal feel you know gives you insight into who they are and you know and and so it's it's an interesting push-pull of that and i think that's kind of where you know, yeah, that's where this shots of him at the office, you know, looking at the instruments and stuff and it comes in or, you know, making coffee. Like, I get it. It's I get what he's do. The, the filmmakers are doing. But is it really do I really need as much of that stuff in here? No, I completely agree. I think if this was primarily a concert movie, which it is, but if this was, you know, 99% instead of 90% con- or you know 85% concert footage this would be a lot more interesting to me and i think that there could have been an interesting thing to hear where it was more a fly on the wall where you are just kind of observing him in his you know in his state and you could have had those other elements and those moments with him with his you know with his was little terrier dog or whatever what do you think that dog making coffee name? I, I I don't know. Oh, uh, he says it in the movie, doesn't he? It has. It does have like a ah, fuck. I can't remember. Like Ziggy Stardust or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um. So, yeah. He kind of looks like his dog. He's got that bulldog <laughs> face. <laughs> I I that was another thing I was marveling at is just the size of his head uh, throughout this whole thing. But, you know, because, like, I think some of the most exhilarating parts of the movie, and I don't know if you agree, is is those moments where you are watching them kind of lose themselves in the music, you know, like seeing Nancy Wang, you know, playing the piano and just beaming and or the keyboards or whatever beaming or, you know, watching the, the guitars and the basses vibing like those are the parts where I like that's why I like watching concert movies or whatever is, is to see to see that sort of communal sense you know and i think that's a big part of this too is is sort of community and the community around bands the community around music and you know unfortunately this one this particular community is lily white (laughs) like every shot of the crowd is just a sea of white faces and then an occasional brown person here or there donald glover (laughs) Yeah, which is, uh, you know, whatever it is. That what it was is. noticeable, I realized. Yeah, it was like a crowd, not all that diverse. No, and, you know, it is it is what it is. You know, an indie rock band, 
the people that could afford to go and see this show, like, yeah, it makes sense when you think about it. Right. And, um, but I think that's part of the, uh, you know, what the film's trying to communicate is that like these songs matter, these people matter that this, this is kind of a, you know, a, a, a way of getting people to grieve with the band or to celebrate the band to, you know, the band's de- quote unquote yeah. demise. That's what I wanted to ask you. I don't know. I've been, I've been jabbering for a while. What do you have any other thoughts around, you know, kind of the stuff I'm talking about? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about, um, well, I guess this could just be a segue into highlighting some of the performance, some of the songs. Yeah. Some yeah. of our, our, what do you, our reels and our <laughs> reels and keels. Yeah. Our wax and our slaps. Um, there's a scene in here where there's a few times it happens throughout the doc. Well, they'll focus on this kid that's like singing his heart out to these songs and like crying his eyes out. Some <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. 20 something. And I was, asking you like i've gone to concerts i've been hyped up and maybe even got emotional but have you ever like lost your shit like that at a concert just like crying and like like openly weeping yeah no 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 that's extreme i don't know what that says about me maybe it's cynical or something but i I could never in like a public place like that like lose my shit. yeah it's i don't know i think it has a lot to do, yeah, with I mean and it's weird because a lot I don't of think weird... of LCD sound system as a band that does that. I guess they do have those like ten. But they songs. do though. That's kind of the thing, is like when you uh, there are songs like All My Friends or Someone Great where he hits these emotional things like and he's talking he, about um, this this go ahead. Yeah, it's like he lays out a sort of uh detached hipster attitude. It's like the Trojan horse, those dance songs. And then he bust out, oh, but now I'm going to make you, your little hipster guys cry and ask the big questions of life. Like, this isn't just a dance party now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I think that works in terms of like this band particularly. I don't know. He always balanced that pretty decently with... I think it, especially as the band went on, you know, early on, obviously it was all detached, all ironic tongue in cheek or mostly that. Um, but I think that once, yeah, once some of the more genuine, some of the more, you know, I mean, it, you know, like you're saying the style is still detached, but yeah, he'll throw in these songs where you're like, it does, it hits you in an emotional place because he starts talking in a more specific way about, losing a friend or yeah. you know about what it's like to grow older or whatever and i guess he's kind of like the though to a lot of younger kids that made up this audience he is like a wise sage to them where he's like you'll see i lived it <laughs> i mean I, and then yeah i think i think that's part of it and i think also when you're young and you, you, you know, when you're 18 years old, 20 years old, and you're listening to them back then, it was something that seemed achievable in a way, like, 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 oh, he's just some schlubby dude, which obviously he's not because he, he comes from a place of privilege and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there was some, there was an aspirational aspect to the, to them. I think that a lot of people felt where it's like, oh, oh yeah. like I can, I can put together a dumb goofy song about the shit i like and it's it can be good and funny and cool it's like, like you, I, you 
Yeah, you collect enough records, you become a DJ, <laughs> then you get a record right. label, and then you get a band, and then you tour internationally. That's right. That's <laughs> exactly. You got but then, like bulldog and a loft and uh, whatever. <laughs> it, right, but I, you know, is that? I think that's a very white, very specific kind of idealization, you know, in hindsight. And I think it's, it's fine. What is what it is, but you know, I think that it's okay to outgrow that and to, to, to realize like, Oh, like it, 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 the important thing was aspiring to be something greater, not necessarily aspiring to be something like specifically like this guy. Right. Like, I don't know. Or the point was just to have kind of aspirations in general yeah right yeah to like look to art to lift you up or something i don't know whatever let's do let's get into some like wax and slaps some reels and kills what what's some of the highlights for you adrian some of the songs or maybe moments from the documentary i know you were super into that british guy (laughs) keith yeah what was his deal he was like the tour manager I think he's their, he was, is, was their tour manager. Yeah. He got like three minutes too much screen time. That guy (laughs) should have been in the film for like three seconds. I know he's, he's kind of a running thing throughout, like a thread throughout. It's like, what is the significance of this guy? He's like, man, I was knackered last night. (laughs) I got to go to my home upstate and take care of my racing horses. It's like, what? I did like the, I like the scene. Oh, right. Right. The the horses. I like the scene where, uh, where they're at the coffee shop and they're talking about New York and then Murphy's taking the piss a little bit. He's like, Oh, it's New York. It's always changing baby. And it's like, yeah. yeah, Oh, darling. It's always charging. It's like, yes, of course it is. It's because it's like, he's such a cliche of that. Like older British kind of. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, hipsters of a certain age. That's when, you know, you've made it. If you have a British <laughs> friend in your inner circle, it's like, yes, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. um, some highlights for me, let's see. Uh, I mean, I pulled out a few, quite a few things, pretty much every, every song, I guess. So <laughs> I guess the highlights for me was just all of the music, but to get more specific, well, I'll touch on a few, couple things, and then I'll I'll launch into one one more specific thing. I guess I think the performances of like all my friends, us v them, uh, dance yourself clean, losing my edge. Like these are all really great, fun performances. The band's clearly into it. He's clearly into it. He's you know he's riffing and doing you know changing the songs up, making it about that moment. Um, you know, North American scum. I. I the it's fine the performance is fine but I think which is interesting is is that's the moment they bring out Arcade Fire and as you said like th- at that time these guys were probably the two biggest indie rock bands you know uh, in terms of popularity yeah. in terms of like visibility but in terms of stuff that like I really really liked I think my favorite of all of the performances and songs was probably the last one with New York I love you but you're bringing me down um, it is one of my favorite songs of theirs. Um, and then also they did the little Twin Peaks, you know, uh, Beldamonte intro, which I think, you know, is anytime I hear that theme, I'm just like, I love it. But, you know, I, I, I kind of he kind of got me with his earnestness talking about, you know, 
talking about the the what he was experiencing in the concert and summing it all up and summing up their, you know, them as a band and launching into it. And, you know, New York is such a key part of their mythology. I don't know. I just thought it was a great, great performance and a great ending to, to the show and to the kind of a great, it would have been, it would have been a great capper, like, you know, last song at the last show, this is, this is it. And this is, you know, this is how we're going to go out. I think that would have been, fantastic it would have been a great way for them to to kind of retire but you know it is what it is they came back just three years later or four years later or whatever it was yeah it all seems like a big ploy to whatever move tickets or something (laughs) i mean it seems it's easy to be cynical about it i mean i'm sure it was just them being bored and wanting to get back together but it's like to, to to go through this whole thing to go through all of this whole rigmarole and you know have it be like uh, you know this funeral thing and then just say like uh you know we uh changed our minds yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean what which i can't begrudge and why would you no no You're a of course successful band like you got it made like fuck yeah go ahead rock on but it also it, it like he's so intent on playing out every aspect of like the rock and roll life you know he did the whole thing like he's put out the influential records he did the whole arc he did the last, you know, the last tour, quote unquote, the last song, the last uh, concerts, did that part. And then they did the fucking reunion tour. They do the, they get yeah. back together. They do the reunion band thing, which Please is now story. part of the art. Complete the story. Right. All right. Do you want to play some of the song um, or something? Yeah, I'll play. Here is a little of the last song. I'll be right. New back. York. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. All right, yeah. well, uh, good stuff. You have a uh, track that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think we should listen to. I think probably their best song would be the um, "All My Friends." Yeah, all those kids crying in Madison Square Garden. Those kids making out too, right? Is that during "All My Friends"? Oh yeah, that was like gross. <laughs> yeah, and they look like little kids. Like the thing is, is like as you get older, obviously you, you know, and farther away from that time, people just look so young and like those, those people and those kids in particular, they look like just too young and we're watching them just go at it. And it's like, okay, we don't need to have, you know, 12, 15 frames of this or whatever the fuck it was. But yeah, here is all my friends. Did you have any other thoughts around this or just, you know, no, I think it's a good song. It's kind of like, I think, yeah, if you're, if you're young, you're like, yeah, I love all my friends. And then when you get slightly older, it's like, oh, wow, I hardly ever see any of my friends. And then when you get 
older, older, you're like, I never want to leave my house. And I'm perfectly fine with that. (laughs) I completely agree. All right. Here is all my friends. A big new order energy. Yeah, that's a good that's a good touchdown. Yeah, I, I, voice. It actually, I I think <clears throat> it comes off pretty well live. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, it's you know it is it, it does it what it does its job. He's it doesn't have the greatest voice, but I don't think he play you know pretends to have the greatest voice. I think it's charming and it works. And actually, I was I was kind of astounded how good it sounded live um yeah so was i i think that square microphone's doing some something some, <laughs> some heavy lifting on. there <laughs> that, that little mic <laughs> i mean that's the thing though is like I, it, the it's it's filmed really well the, it sounds really good and i think i bet you it sounded awesome because that's like his oh, deal you know he probably knows how to well, set up every little fucking thing right yes exactly like he's super obsessive about every little aspect of it so i imagine for this one in particular he probably was like it has to be fucking perfect i need this mic to be at this level and at these things i need this these chords and and it worked man it works it the band sounds incredible the, the you know they all are really tight and you know and and exuberant and joyful and i think that they all had you know that nervous energy of like like you know we're about to graduate or whatever you know that kind of feeling of like we're this is it this is the you know the culmination of something and it comes across in the their performances yeah there's a lot of exuberance on these these songs a lot of raucousness uh a lot of noise too uh one other song i did want to mention which i thought was great is uh their cover of jump into the fire um yeah it made me which is, bust you know, out my old nielsen schmilson record and me too that this morning i was like i gotta hear it (laughs) same it's fucking it's always good always good to put that on but i think they they did a really great fantastic cover and i actually like this sequence in the film where it's kind of a quick kind of it's a kind of classic you know rock doc thing of intercutting the performance with you know shots of him mingling shots of the crowd shots Hugs. of people dancing people hugging people crying oh he's a he, he's a big hugger this guy and kisser he's he kisses everyone it seems can't really that's do that, like in that COVID. that's a generational thing we're like those hipster guys they love like giving pecks on the cheeks to all their buddies and just like hanging off each other and it's like yeah enough <laughs> you love your friends we get it <laughs> uh yeah totally but yeah i think um i don't know do you have any more clothing closing thoughts here no do you want to hear jump into the fire or do you got that or yeah i'll i'll pull it up I, there's just a couple of more things i want to uh bring up before we we finish off with the song here let's see just going through my notes oh i like the shot of all the pinch on books and the philip roth books i actually weirdly enough i was getting into all that stuff around this time in 2011 mm. so that 
was weirdly on point for me. Those are actually um, fake, fake books. It was, just, <laughs> it was set design. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, uh, it looks like I actually covered most of this stuff. Yeah, I like that song, Dance Yourself Clean. That's a good song. Yeah, and I think it's a great way to kind of um, kick off everything. I like to listen to that song in the shower. Like if I'm going to go out (laughs) while I'm showering, having like a shower beer, I'll put that song on. Get some shower inspo. Yeah, I I put that song surprisingly for a guy that's not a big LCD head. I put that on quite a bit in the shower. Just kind of get you a little (laughs) amped, ready for the the night. (laughs) Nice. Well, on that note, let's uh, jump into the fire, shall we? Here is the cover of Jump Into the Fire uh, by LCD Sound System of Harry Nilsson. Really nailed that echo vocals on that. Yeah, it's good. Good cover. All right. Solid. Is there anything? I think we already said what we kind of didn't like, right? Pretty much. I think we covered it. I mean, it for me, it's the Klosterman. Too much Klosterman. Yeah. I just had real uh, quick. I had British dude, Klosterman, <laughs> the Arcade Fire guy's hair. <laughs> <laughs> well what did you think of um what did you think of his heckle becoming the name of the documentary yeah i was all right <laughs> that was right about the time when i was like uh i don't think i like uh arcade fire all that much and i definitely did not like the album that murphy produced was, was that a reflector reflector yeah that's really when they started to hit the hit the skids there but yeah, shaving sequence was gnarly. Um, I wish it was more of a concert film. Uh, yeah, there's some good cowbell on there. I'll give it that. Definitely good cowbell. Colbert, remember him? I watched that show. That I remember distinctly. <clears throat> it was like, oh, I'm stoked. LCD is going to be on uh, Colbert tonight. <laughs> going to tune in after the Daily Show. <laughs> That's crazy that he got like the full, he got the couch time and everything. Like what the hell? Yeah, we interview. I think it was like a whole half the back half of the show was like <clears throat> it was like a five minute banner back to back. And he was actually very charming in that interview. And then yeah, which I, he, he is a very charming interview person. He's very, you know, he's obviously very smart and very, you know, knowledgeable about music. So he's a good convo. Uh, but yeah, and then I think they performed um, a song at, afterwards, too. But yeah, just yeah. such a such a time capsule of the time. Um, and actually that's one of the things that Emily, you know, girlfriend's corner, um, wow. <laughs> uh, was me when me were talking about is that it feels so dated, like in a weird way, like it, yeah. it feels so of 2011. I like, I think now when people do concert movies, they have a little bit more, I think people are starting to 
make them a little bit more unique. This was very much of like the high def, like we're going to just get run around, get the, you know, the shaky footage kind of thing. And it just, I don't know. It just feels kind of flat because of that, I think, in a way, even though the performances are good and stuff, it just, there's a, there's a real early 2010s vibe to it that just can't shake. I don't think. It feels like promotional. Like it feels like. Yeah. Right. Murphy's directing the movie too. Like it doesn't (laughs) feel like the directors have any perspective or point of view or it's just like, let's just make this seem like the great cultural event that it sort of was. (laughs) Right. Right. Let's hype it. It's the hype machine. It is the hype machine. He built a hype machine for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy. It's all good. I hope you get that five o'clock shadow thing taken care of and <laughs> uh i think he now has a beard though right he just went full beard oh i'm sure he went full beard um well, actually that's a good segue maybe we can talk a little bit about where they're at now and what oh uh... yeah or do you want to rate it i give it like a seven as a movie scale of one through ten yeah okay so tomato, i was thinking tomato about meter. this that's your tomato meters well it would be a percentage wouldn't it so it'd be like oh, is that is seven percent or is that 70 no no 70 well, that's pretty good that's not yeah. bad it was what it was an entertaining throw it on in the morning i would give it that's kind of where i'm at too i'll, I'll probably bump that up to like uh 86 is, is pretty high i would say I think, yeah, the Metacritic score is probably closer. Like you're saying, 70. I'm going to go with 75, eh, 78, you know, solid through and through, but just nothing doesn't quite go over the top. I think if you're a fan of them, definitely watch it. If you're interested in them and you have some time, watch it. Otherwise, I think you can pretty much skip it. It's, you know, it's not, it's not required viewing. Yeah, so let's give it a 73, the C. Yeah, solid C. Yeah, cool. Um, What's next, Adrian? Do you, oh yeah, what happened? Whatever to happened to the band? They never so, played again. Right? <laughs> nope. They retired and James Murphy went off and uh, lived in the wilderness. Um, no, they... So obviously they got back together in 20, there was rumblings of it, I believe in like 2015. And then it made it official in 2016 and they went on a bunch of tours or rather they went and played a bunch of festivals and then that led to another album. And then that led to more touring. And I think right now they're kind of in a, they were in a hiatus and I think they're gearing up now to record again. They made Um, another movie, right? Yes. I wanted to bring this up. Because it's interesting, both the bands that that were in this, you know, both the RKFR and LCD Sound System, we've talked about, recently made moves where it's like, what and why? Uh, <laughs> That's a new segment. Uh, what and why with Adrian? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, so uh, with LCD, they put out a holiday special, right? I, I think it's a Christmas special. But it takes the form of an Amazon Prime show, which, first nice. of all, anyone dealing with Amazon Prime in 2022, not a good look. Not yeah, a good we're look. Looking at you, Miss Casey Musgrave. <laughs> 
he also made this thing with the shittier half of Tim and Eric, uh, Eric. I think <laughs> I think that taller they um, the taller half, right? But the the worse half. If you actually want to see the better half, watch uh, watch um, T- Tim Heidecker T- Tim Heidecker's on Cinema Universe stuff. That shit is all fucking great. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But anyway, so they th- that's kind of the first sort of miss the the, the those first couple of missteps. But then they put it, it's also like a concert movie. So it's half like a, a sitcom parody starring Eric and a bunch of, you know, celebrities. And Mac, and, Mac McCulkin's in it, right? McCauley. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he he plays a part. Who else? I think, God, it's, the cast is actually pretty, like it's people that I, I like and, and stuff, but I just, there's no desire to ever watch this. I mean, did you ever, did you even consider watching it at all? Hell no. I saw a commercial for it and I was like, what? Okay, the tour must have got canceled and they like made this little piece of shit. Well, that's that's another interesting bit. So it looks like it was, yeah, Macaulay Culkin, John Daly, Aparna, Nonchurla. So people, you know, funny comedians, people I like. People of note. People of note. But yeah, so it's it's half sitcom and then its other half is concert movie. But I think, especially now at this point, it's like, I don't need another in-studio fucking, you know, COVID era, you know, boring performance. Like, there's, we've just seen so many of them. Like, it was fine at first. Right. Like, it was fine at first. Like, I get it. We're not going to shows. People are doing the, you know, the the YouTube streams and it's it's cool. But at this point, right. The verses. Exactly. But then it's now it's like, I don't I, I do not need you know an LCD it, sound system holiday special. You know what it Go feels ahead. like, Adrian? Those those. Yeah. Those like, well, we got to do something for the fans music wise. Mm-hmm. It feels like when you go to like watch your friend's band practice. you're so fucking bored like (laughs) i know i think that's one of the like people think it's like always magic or something when people are it's like no it's boring work it sucks you're sitting there you're pounding beers they're like pissed off at each other they're not having fun you're not having fun (laughs) right it's like i just i don't there's no i have no desire to ever see this i don't know i i doubt that it was really much watched it i i would imagine that just just judging by the the reviews and seeing how people talked about it like it kind of came and went and that's that and i think that's fine i think there's been a kind of a rash of these sort of celebrity focused or music you know focused holiday specials for some reason it's like enough trying to to bring back like the variety show or something right it's like i don't no i don't need that you tried it move on it didn't work didn't work Uh, but you you touched on something that I think another thing that got LCD into the news recently is they uh, the, a bunch of people got COVID at their reunion shows uh, this past December. And they're the crowd's a little <laughs> older now too, so it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. So um, what with Omicron running rampant in the country, they decided to move full steam ahead on their. They had a residency. I forget at the knitting factory or someplace in Brooklyn or something. And, uh, and yeah, and a bunch of people got COVID and they had to cancel 
but I think they got a lot of flack and rightfully so because they kind of were like, like kind of left it up to the fans and kind of were like, hey, if you want to come, we're still going to play. You know, I know that it's kind of a sensitive time, but hey, come on out, have a good time and join us when, you know, in reality, what they should have done is said, hey, it sucks and I, I, we're going to have to postpone these, but it's just this for safety. You know, we should we should move this. And that didn't happen. And then a bunch of people got sick. And, 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 you know, I think that on top of the Amazon thing, it's like, okay, uh, I'm kind of like LCD, like you're, what are you doing? These moves are not like, I guess it's money, right? Uh, essentially that, it probably just comes down to green money. Greenpoint apartment don't pay for itself. Adrian. <laughs> but then green, that brings, I don't know. Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Fort green, whatever. Fort green something. Yeah. One of those cool places. But that brings us to the Arcade Fire, right? Who they also recently reemerged to play a fucking crypto convention. Like, what, what the fuck? What the fuck is that all about? Like, you know, I know, I know that post mid to two thousands, it's been you know cool to kind of sell out in a way, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that to to me, like these these things are just like that's super egregious, like. It's just as bad as all the celebrities getting in on NFTs and scamming people. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It's all just, it's just garbage and trash. And it also, for me, it reaffirms that I made the right choice in, you know, tuning out both these bands for the past, whatever, half decade or most of the past decade. Yeah. You wore out your welcome. Right. All right. Well, thank you for that, Agent. What should we do next? Well, you saw this band on the reunion tour. We mentioned that, right? We, uh, I was mentioned briefly. I can talk a little bit about that. You um, cried your eyes out. Like, <laughs> Where I are my friends tonight? I, I did not cry, cry. I will admit that I did tear up. Uh, it was hard not to, honestly. I think. So I went with with Emily and aforementioned friend of the sh- or aforementioned Emily and a uh, friend of the show, Nat, oh. and we saw them at a big festival, you know, in L.A. And uh, yeah, there, you know, you <clears throat> there's certain shows and certain artists that, that really bring that communal element, that communal feeling, and this was certainly one of those shows. So it was hard not to feel emotional and get swept up in it, especially when everyone around you is kind of, you know, vibing in the same way. I think Emily was, did, did start crying. And I, I, you know, I certainly teared up, you know, during, it was during all my friends or one of those more emotional songs. And, you know, I think that they're, they have, they still have that power as a band and those songs do have some resonance still, but I don't know. I think they've, they've sort of tarnished their reputation a bit maybe, or at least, uh, you know, they've lessened themselves a little bit by, by pulling some of these moves. I I don't know, at least in my eyes. Um, but yeah, you, you haven't seen them before. No, I don't think I ever will. Maybe when, if I was in my twenties, I would, but nah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, they put on a good show, but I, I wouldn't say it's worth going out of your way at this point. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay. So there it was. LCD sound system shut up and play the hits and that was our first twin cinema 
Wacker Slaps presents episode. Adrian, we uh, had some technical difficulties, uh, but I think we made it through. Yeah, I think we uh, I think we landed this bitch. Yeah, it's like Caleb who? <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> All right, uh, next next up. Next episode, we're going to continue with the Twin Cinema. Wacker Slaps presents Twin Cinema. We're going to tackle another rockumentary. We're going to do The Devil and Daniel Johnston from the year, what was that? 04, something like that. 05. 05. 05. My high school graduation year and Kalos too. Yeah. A documentary I've seen many times. One of my favorite, I don't know, one of my favorite movies of the 2000s, maybe. It's a good one. But uh, that'll be next episode. And uh, I guess this is the outro. Yeah. So, thank you to Kiki Ontiveros for the most slapping of theme songs. Thank you, Adrian, for all your stellar production work. Check out our website, wackerslaps.com. We've got some merchy up there. Uh, make sure to follow us on the socials uh, at wackerslaps. Uh, talk some shit via email at wackerslaps.com. And for Adrian, or email at uh, wackerslap.gmail.com. Oh, wackerslaps at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, we got merch and shit. Uh, for Adrian and the Caleb, I am Noah, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, whatever happened to B- Baby Jane? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll workshop that one later. 